good evening and welcome to another edition of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you very much for joining me today. I hope you had a great day uh, yesterday for you and today for me because I watched um, after the Pope's visit um, on, on Sunday to Canada and a lot of crying. Um, today I was crying with tears of joy. Um, the election, the swearing-in ceremony of the 15th President of India, the Right Honourable uh, Srimati Draupadi Murmo. I couldn't stop listening and rewinding and rewinding. It was like I was, I was small again and the radio was playing and I was rewinding the radio to listen again and again, the cassette tapes. Uh, today it's the internet, but uh, look, it was a great day, great moment. Congratulations to the Honourable um, Madam President and congratulations to the tribes, uh, the Santal tribes and the Scheduled Tribes of India. Uh, when I hear the concept of Adivasis or Scheduled Tribes, the only thing I know I, it reminds me in my head is all the Christian priests proselytizing these people, um, converting them to Christianity, which is so insolent and arrogant. Uh, with total disrespect to their culture uh, and as an ex-Christian um, I know that this happened very often um, more often than not we also hear of the Adivasis who come to the cities to work as slave uh, as servants and laborers and day workers not earning any money um, and their children getting uh, converted by priests that's the only thing we really know about Adivasis means poor in our minds, Adivasis means tribals, Adivasis means Dalits. There's really no information that was given out for 70 years. Can you believe it? This so-called fantastic constitution led by, uh, by, um, by the great leaders of the 1940s and 50s. Um, uh, Jawaharlal Nehru, uh, Indira Gandhi, Rajiv, all the Gandhis, they did nothing to educate us. They kept us in oblivion, suffocated, repressed us, and there was nothing to talk about except the the glorifying of their image. Um, and, and really, I don't even want to talk about them. I will talk about the Constitution and the insolence and arrogance of the Gandhi family tomorrow and how they forced us to to glorify only themselves to the detriment of others and now they're crying but uh, look I am going to talk about something about the Santal tribe today which is the tribe from which the Honorable uh, President of India comes from uh, Srimati Draupadi Momo um, there's a lot about it in the internet but I do want to talk about it because I want to trigger a conversation and I hope that all of you will, will research this on the internet across the board. We need to study, we need to learn, we need to empower ourselves with knowledge, atwa, all the lives in between. Um, we need this, uh, we need to empower ourselves with the knowledge of uh, our land, of Bharat Varsh, of the land of our ancestors and all the heritage they've left us in the different tribes and groups of people because all of us at one point came from a tribe. I know uh, my family came from, from small villages which were originally tribes. Uh, everyone's family comes from a tribe. So it's important to understand this day, this junction in life and look up your 
down memory lane to understand the history of your tribe, your village where you come from. What can you learn about these villages and, and the history they, they give us and they've left us with the heritage. So today we're going to talk about the Santal tribe, one of the, the largest larger tribal communities of India. And I'm going to read from you from a write-up, a couple of write-ups about these tribes. And I hope that uh, you will understand and you will um, have this conversation with your friends and, uh, you know, say, say a few prayers uh, and, and give your support, whether financially, uh, ideologically, or by volunteering with the Santal people whenever you can. Um, this would be a great day, great way to learn about them instead of taking a holiday to going to Paris or, or New York. Uh, we take a holiday or one week a year to go and volunteer with these communities. It would be a great day and great upliftment for them and a great uh, learning curve for us to learn about and to reconnect with our, the heritage of the lands and the ancestors who left this heritage for us. So let's talk about the Santal uh, ethnic group in India, approximately 7 million inhabitants, and they speak a language called Santali. Uh, a chunk of this population is found in Bangladesh because they come from the western coast. They have settled mainly in Indian states of Jharkhand, Odisha, Bihar, West Bengal, and Assam. So I'm reading this to you from the website tribehull.com. That's tribe, T-R-I-B-H-O-O-L.com. Um, so the word Santal originated from two words, Santa, as in Santa in English, but Santa meaning calm and peaceful. Um, because, wow, it is a fact. You look at the, the Right Honorable President and she's as calm and cool as ever. And uh, Santal and Ala, uh, A-L-A, meaning man. So they were nomadic like every other tribe. And they, uh, they were very calm and peaceful people. The language is Santali. Uh, they originally come from the Kherwad community. That's K-H-E-R-W-A-D. But um, some people, uh, anthropologists, consider them to be belonging to the proto-astroloid group. Well. Look, let, let, let's not just go into these um, um, Aryan invader theories, uh, which these uh, the West and, and uh, Abrahamic media and academia want to offload on us. Uh, it is believed that Santalis probably turned, uh, probably entered India well before the Aryan invasions, because there was no Aryan invasion. Get used to that, to all the Abrahamic junk of the planet. Uh, and I'm sorry, but it is a fact. Um, there were great fighters during the British administration of the East India Company, uh, and proof of the historical Santal Rebellion happened in 1855. A rebellion which began in 1855 ended in 1856, uh, spread from Bagalpur to Rajmahal Hills. The main reason for the rebellion was to get rid, rid of the oppression of the Hindus or the tribal Hindus, an exploitation of the poor people by the Zamindars, the Jagidars, and the British uh, East India Company. Main leaders of the rebellion were Chand, Kanhu, and Bairam, which were the Murmu brothers, uh, cousins, if I'm not mistaken. So um, the Santal people speak uh, Santali language. 
uh, area-wise and state-wise, their way of speaking may differ slightly. Um, and it's a very, very important language to note uh, because they are a large tribe. Um, Santali was mainly an oral language until Pandit Raghunath Murmu developed the old Chiki script in 1925, which was publicized in 1939 at the Mayur Bunch State Exhibition. Uh, the year in the year 2003, the Santali language was has been included in the eighth schedule of Constitution of India. Literature also present at the great dedicate. Literature also presented the great dedication of Santals towards nature because they're nature-loving tribe. Santali language and people started getting their identity all over the world. Letters in all Chiki script are also derived from the physical environment and, uh, and what surrounds the hills, the trees, the rivers, the birds, the bees, all representing these um, constants. Every year about they don't get a lot of support, these people, and so about 50 Santali literature publishes, but because they have no support, they get lost until now. The extensive work on Santali literature is not well promoted at all. I hope that the, the president's um, uh, election will trigger um, um, a boost for the Santali culture and their literature and their language. And so I hope that uh, every single one of you who has the opportunity to go to the tribal areas of uh, Jharkhand and Odisha and volunteer, that'll be great. Um, so a National Academy of Letters, as called Sahitya Academy, was founded in 1954 for the promotion and development of literature in the languages of India and um, one of them was the Santali literature. Um, so the Santali society is a tradition of unique heritage and amazingly sophisticated lifestyles. Most notable they are for their folk songs, music, dances and language. The Santals enjoy and love dance and music and it is in their blood, my friends. It is important part of Santal society. Just like anything on, on the anyone on the Indian subcontinent, they normally use musical instruments called the sakwa, the tumda, the tamak, the banam, and the trio. Their culture is reflected in daily work, such as design, construction, color, composition, and cleaning of our homes, cleaning of their homes, drawing, painting, cleanliness of their courtyards on the wall. Uh, they are also highly skilled. Uh, in making the musical equipment, mats and baskets out of plants. Um, that would be great. And the area is really clean. Wow, I wish they would teach hygiene to the rest of India because we could use this. Um, Santals follow a, a spirituality called Sarna. Okay. Their deities are Maran Guburu and Jayarayo. That's a tongue twister. Um, their village priests are known as Oja. Santals also have their own worship place called Jaher. Each Santal village has its own Jaher present on the outskirts of the village. A Jaher is in an area in which there are many trees, especially the Sal tree. The Santals believe that their deities reside in the forest 
at, at the family level. They worship the ancestral spirits seated in the sacred place named Bitar uh, in every house. Um, so there's a little space uh, like we have an altar uh, or place for puja. They have this little space. And they usually usually use the Kansatari, the Kansalota for for worshiping. Almost every Santal house has brass utensils for its guests. Traditional foods and drinks. Rice is the staple food. During special occasions, they prepare dumbug, laddu, mutton, chicken, fish, curry, lito, gudda pita, patta pita, and jil pita. Handida is a very popular drink among the Santals. Oh goodness, they like to drink. I wonder if this is alcoholic or not. So, Gudda Pita is like um, a lassi drink. Uh, very nice. Uh, the traditional attire of the Santals. Uh, clothing has gone through many changes over the years. In the old days, there were just two sets of colors. A combination, a color combination. Uh, present white and maroon. Uh, many, uh, mainly there are two types of clothing for men and women. That is the putta and the panchi. Okay. Um, and um, during any function like marriages, guests are given clothes that they need to wear to the function. Women are given yellow sari with red and maroon border. And men are given a yellow dhoti with maroon patterns and borders, which acts as a dress code. Um, they got beautiful, beautiful ornaments, and, and everyone should research on that. Absolutely gorgeous. The Santals celebrate several festivals around the year. Soharai, observed the month of November, in the month of November, is one of the main festivals of the Santals. They worship cattle in this festival. Sakrat observed in the month of January on Makar Sankrati for the Santals is the beginning of the new year. On this day, Santals wear new clothes, make variety of traditional food items, traditional drink, uh, handia. They invite guests, they sing, they dance, they celebrate. Uh, many villages also have fairs. On this day, people uh, leave their worries and enjoy themselves. Baha is another festival of the Santals where they offer fruit of Mahuja, Mahua, wildflowers, fruits, and other to, the, to their deities. On this day, the Santals wear their traditional attire, gather in the Jahar, and witness this great festival. They sing the traditional songs and perform traditional Baha dance. The Jarkan, in Jarkan, almost every government college and school also celebrated this festival on the campus premises. For social life, the father is the head of the family. A glimpse of freedom, female freedom is visible in the daily practices of the Santal women. Their spontaneous sophistication also clearly shows strong relationships with their families, their parents, their husbands, their wives, their siblings. However, Santal culture society is male-dominated, but all have been given equal status. There's no gender difference between men and women. Uh, therefore, the birth of a boy and a girl is an occasional is occasion for bliss in their home. They can all take education. They can sing, dance. They can wear garments they want. They can adorn themselves as they want. 
they can do jobs, they can perform love marriages, their society, there's no sati, female feticide, and dowry. We need to learn from them, my dear friends. I wish, I wish we had something to resemble this. Look, we all were something like this before, and they're reminiscence of the last reminiscence of our culture, of our history, um, and we need to go back to that and learn from them and offload the Abrahamic occupation of our minds because we are today, even whatever we follow, we are following a Dharmic culture, we, are, we have an Abrahamic occupation of our minds and these people have stood the test of time and resisted this Abrahamic invasion and occupation and we need to understand this, research this and, and get back to the basics. Uh, their marriage ceremonies are called Bapla the Santal tribe is an endogamous tribe among which consanguineous marriages are prohibited. In the Santal tribe of Jharkhand, the following types of marriage are based are seen based on the ways of getting a life partner. Marriage by negotiation. And, uh, you also have a marriage where the daughter-in-law is bought from the same family in which the daughter is married. Um, marriage by elopement. We have widow remarriage, son-in-law in the house. Hindu type marriage. We have um, a girl suddenly starts living uh, marriages where a girl suddenly starts living with the boy of her choice. Then the information is given to the Jog Mangi who finishes their marriage. So they first start living and then they finish their marriage. Wow, this is fantastic. Uh, why didn't I know about this? I had to be stuck in some Christian culture. Goodness gracious me. Sorry, I'm just winting, fellas. You know me. Uh, so their death rituals, okay? In the Santal tribe, the, ceremony, the cremation ceremony is often the practice of burying a corpse. Items used in this personal use of uh, in the personal use of the deceased, such as utensils, bows, arms, sticks, musical instruments, clothes, are handed down to over to the dead body. There's a belief in the Santals that the soul of a dead person goes into Maya Mai world where he needs the object of the this world. Hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's a way of thinking. Uh, the Shraddha is considered to be the last rite of the Mritma. There is no fixed date for the Bandhan or the Shraddha. Uh, on the occasion of the Shraddha, the Shrad is done and the Kutum people are offered food. The Shraddha is uh, also known as Bandhan, is considered by the Santal society to be the an acceptance of the salvation of the family of the deceased from impurity. Ooh, this is very, very, uh, this is very, very Abrahamic. It comes from ritual purity, impurity, um, is actually Hebrew, my friends. So they, they've inherited some of the Hebrew culture because a lot of Hebrew tribes would have sought refuge in the Indian subcontinent, the Aramaic people, and they would have integrated and assimilated into cultural society, tribal society in the Indian subcontinent, and a lot of them would have kept their mentality, and this concept of Shraddha, Bandhan, uh, uh, Bandhan is considered to be the first, the last rites of the Mritma, no fixed date on the occasion, um, people are offered food and the bandhan is considered by Santal society 
uh, as a significance and acceptance of the salvation of the family of the deceased from impurity. That means if the if the dead corpse is impure, because that's the way it's considered when it's dead, the whole family is impure. And it, and to for salvation of this family, they have the bandhan. So that is very, very Abrahamic. Goodness, they have inherited some not so good things, but anyway, it is what they do, and kudos to them, my hats off to them that they've maintained all of this. The system is well arranged. It manages to solve many problems within the community without taking any legal action. The head of the Santal tribe is called Manji Hadam. He is considered the chief of the system. Education and development. Nowadays, many of the Santal youths are moving towards town and urban areas of education in search of jobs. And the government has also launched several programs for social economic development. As a progressive tribal community, Santals avail themselves of the maximum facilities provided to them. Um, and one benefit of that, one outcome of that, is the Right Honorable President of India, the 15th President, Shrimati Draupadi Murmur. Um it is very, very important to, to say this. Wow, this is great. Uh, there are many other um, people involved in high state, uh, high politics uh, for from the Santal community because they have been availing of um, a lot of uh, socio-economic programs for them. Um, the Jharkhand Chief Minister, Hemant Sorin, and his father, Sibu, Sorin also belonged to the Santal tribe and have attended many events and paid homage to uh, Sidhu and Kanhu Murmu. Uh, President Murmu, during her time as the Jharkhand governor, had said that India's history should be rewritten to incorporate uh, tribal history. Uh, there have been some other people too. Uh, I've lost. I've lost the um, knowledge of them. Goodness. Um, there was the lieutenant governor of Jammu and Kashmir, and who then became um, who then became um, I think the attorney uh, assistant attorney general of India. Uh, he was from this tribe, but I I, I can't get the names right now. Um, anyway, as long as we are aware of this, this is great. Uh, I hope you can research this, and uh, I, we, I'm going to talk about um, something that's important that we never learned about in our history books. I've never heard of this before. Um, the Forgotten Santal Revolt of 1855, my friends. So let's just talk about the revolt. So two years before the revolt of 1857, we all know about that because it was against the British, so... The Indian National Congress had no problem in using it as a whip to keep us down. There was another revolt in North India against the British. One, uh, one of the tribes fighting with bows and arrows on the other side. You had the British and the Zamindars. And people keep saying that the Zamindars are British, British agents. Uh, they're not. They existed on the Indian subcontinent before. Um, this is a product of the Islamic invasion. They started with Jagidars, they then uh, uh, went to Zamindars, and these Zamindars are just a different name for the same concept of Jagidars, which came from the Mughals and the Delhi Sultanate, 
we have talked about this before. So uh, the 1855 Santal revolt uh, was on one side the Santals and the other side the British and their Zamindars. Uh, this, revol this revolt fought in the jungles of modern-day Jharkhand and West Bengals find only one mention in our school history books. Who would have thought otherwise? My goodness. Not only was this an uprising of great importance, but the root cause behind it is the right to tribal lands. Um, it became the basis and a more recent a deadly movement that continues to fester the infamous Naxalite movement in India. History uh, truly is continuum, continuum and it's important to understand the past to make sense of the present. Now, uh, we're talking about tribal lands and yesterday we talked about the Aborigines, uh, the First Nations of North America. So everyone, all our ancestors were tribal and slowly by slowly men settled down and as they settled down, they went to take they tried to get as much of land as possible. But those who were tribal and wanted to keep their tribal or their nomadic life were sort of left nowhere. They're not everyone wanted to give up their tribal life. Slowly as civilization changed, we have, we have gone into um, fixed life, which is not good because the earth is always uh, revolving. And so we are moving. We are, we are cymatic frequencies, currents and waves, and currents and waves are not static. But we've forgotten that and we've become stationary. Um, from agricultural societies, we've become stationary societies. But there are many tribes all over the world who, um, who want to remain nomadic and have kept their tribal way of life. And among them were the aboriginals of North America. And once the, uh, the Europeans colonized this land, they, obviously they were already uh, communities that have become fixed on the land. Um, and these communities uh, then went to the Americas, colonized it. Uh, but the natives who, want, who wanted to keep their land all of a sudden were stuck in the middle of nowhere. They signed treaties with the uh, colonizers and um, they signed treaties. And what happened was uh, they were put on reserves. So the land was allocated to these uh, people. In North America and these lands were called uh, reserves most of which where the tribes could live their lives in on, on in their way but obviously it didn't really happen there was a lot of problems uh, and treaties were never met but yes effectively treaties uh, were signed and they called reserves but there was a lot of fight to take away this land from slowly slowly from the Aboriginal uh, Aborigines uh, they gave them cards called Indian cards uh, because they were considered red Indians in those days. And only up to a certain generation you were allowed to have those cards. Um, generation after generation, after a certain fourth generation, um, I think, I'm not sure exactly what, which generation. They were not considered um, Indian anymore and they would lose their status, which means they would eventually lose their land. And this is what the government wanted in North America, the, the tribal lands to be taken away and be used for oil and gas. The same thing happened on the Indian subcontinent where these tribals were put on, on lands, um, tribal lands, and slowly by slowly they were kept poor. So there was no way of them staying. They had to get out of the lands and the lands were eventually con converted for uh, commercial use. Um, so this in India was the tribal... Um, the source of the Santal 
revolt in uh, Santal revolt in 1855 and the starting point for the Naxalite movement. The Santals as a tribal community inhabiting large parts of Jharkhand, West Bengal, Bihar and Odisha. They speak the Santali language and worship their own gods like we say. Uh, they live in thick forests of, uh, of the region, practice hunting. Uh, however, political events far away would have significant impact on their lives. After the Battle of Plassey in 1757, the control of Bengal passed to the British East India Company. A large chunk of the area inhabited by the Santals came from the British rule. Soon the British began to clear the forest in the order to grow cash crops, just as jute, poppy, indigo. Uh, this was followed by the introduction of the famous permanent settlement or the Zamindari system by Lord Cornwallis in 1793. Under the settlement, it was agreed that the landlords would have perpetual hereditary rights over the land so long as they paid a fixed revenue to the government. That was the British East India, uh, uh, British East India Company. To create the new breed of zamindars, the British auctioned away large tracts of land belonging to the Santals to anyone who would guarantee them fixed revenues. A lot of rich Indians based in cities bought zamindaris um, in these far-off forests and pretty soon started exploiting people there. Within the introduction, with the introduction of the zamindari system, the Santals lost rights to the land. They were reduced to hired laborers working in fields for their new landlords. Uh, this also brought to an end the old tribal system and political structures that had continued here for generations. The zamindars also had and has his men, and his men were in control. Now the zamindars are local Indians, okay? Another great blow to the Santals was the introduction of currency. Santals continued the barter system, but the zamindars also had to be paid in cash. This meant that they had to borrow money at very higher interest rates from money lenders. The tweezer grip of money lenders and the loss of identity created a deep sense of resentment under the Santals. Um, as the years passed, things got worse. The exploitations at the hands of local zamindars and the British led to an armed revolt. The Santal Rebellion of 1855 was called Hul, in which in which in the local language means movement for liberation, uh, which is basically the independence movement. The rebellion was headed by four brothers of the Murmu clan, Sidhu, uh, Kanhu, Chan, Bhairav, and their two sisters, Fulu and Jano. Born in the clan of the Santali priest, uh, they lived in the village of Bog Nadi in Sahibanj, district of Jharkhand. One day in June 1855, Sidhu Murmu uh, claimed that he had a divine revelation that the oppression can only be overthrown by armed rebellion. The brothers sent em emissaries from Santa lands with sal branches as a secret form of communication. On the 7th of July 1855, a huge number of Santals assemble in the field in the Bognadi uh, village. They declared themselves as free and took oath under the leadership of Sidhu Murmu and Kanhu Murmu to fight till their last breath against the British East India Company and the Zamindars. This act of the Santals sent alarm bells ringing 
and the British East India Company sent the police agent to arrest the brothers. The Santals reacted violently to this and killed the police agent and his companions. This triggered a series of conflicts between the British East India Company and the Santals, leading to a full-fledged war. The Santals captured a large tract of land extending from the Rajmahal Hills in Jharkhand to the Bagalpur district in Bihar and to Birham in West Bengal. The rebels decided to drive out the money lenders and the zamindars they were killing on both sides and the local administrators, British administrators, sheltered themselves in the fortification of the Pakur town of Santal Fargana to save lives. The Santals uh, were passionate and fierce warriors, but they didn't stand a uh, chance against the sophisticated firearms of the uh, British East India Company. It's estimated they lost about 15,000 to 2,000 Santals, um, and the brothers Sidhu and Kanu were among the casualties. Even though the rebellion was suppressed within a year in 1856 of the company, a few pockets of Santal resistance continued till 1857. While the Santals were defeated, this revolt propelled the British uh, um, authorities to acknowledge their follies. The Santal Parganas Tenancy Act came into being, which provided for tribes the, some protection from colonial exploitation. The regular police force was abolished, and village headmen had vested, was vested in the duty for keeping peace and order. The Santals revolted in 1855, was beautifully portrayed in 1970 by the Kolkata-based filmmaker Mirnal Sen, who made a movie called The Mirgaya. I've never heard of it, but hey, if you get a chance to watch it, go ahead. But sadly enough, the worst was not the British East India Company, was what happened after 1947. The um, 70 years since independence, problems continue to fester. The Santals continued to take up cudgels against the authorities, and the frustrations have deep roots. In 1855, like uh, the Santals uh, were unhappy about losing controls and rights of the land, um, and it's still happening today. A Santal, a uh, jungle Santal, along with uh, others, were part the core team that started the Naxalite movement. Uh, in West Bengal in 1967, um, named after the Naxbalri village. Um, and years later, they caught up in politics and allegedly funded and armed by external agencies. Uh, we know who they are. Uh, the Naxalite movement uh, doesn't resemble what they started, but the fuel to the fire for the Naxalite movement it was actually a tribal movement to protect the land uh, from the Indian government, which was then led by the in Indian National Congress and the various other governments who have followed. Um, nothing was done, and so obviously they have to revolt because violence is the only way that someone's going to wake up. But obviously the Indian government didn't wake up even then. Uh, of course, it has no bearing today compared Today, it's, it's completely different. It's just an armed movement to create insurgency, fanned by our neighbors to the north and to the east. Um, the one tribal protest of the land has become violence and, um, and a vicious guerrilla warfare burning to the heart of India in what is called as the Red Corridor. And thousands of innocent people have been killed in battle. That seems to go nowhere. 
and uh, that is where it lies as we speak. And I think uh, the Modi government with Amit Shah has done a lot uh, on this Naxalite movement. We've heard about it uh, for a while. A lot of it was stopped uh, because of the fact that uh, the demonetization pro program in India was exactly to take away money, black money, that was used by mafia, Naxalite movement, and the Pakistani mafia who uh, who went unwarranted in on the Indian um, subcontinent, in Indian land. The Pakistani mafia absolutely tried their hands, um, who controlled the land, the mafia on the inside. They made a lot of money. Their uh, budget for their government, I'm sure, included money coming from sex slave, from coming from... Um, a lot of it selling of drugs, human capital on the Indian subcontinent, and they were not uh, taxed, or should I say, they, they were allowed a free hand, and the Indian government, because of their vote banks, did absolutely nothing about it. And that's why they're angry that the Modi government had demonetization, but demonetization was exactly to stop the funding of mafia outfits, terror outfits, um that were allied with the Pakistanis in the West and on the East, also the Naxalite movements and the funding by our neighbors to the North. So that, my friend, is the Santal, a little history about the Santals. I will post a link to the website on my Facebook page if you want to take a look at it. But I do ask you to please, uh, please research it as much as possible so that you can learn about them. And like I said, spread the news to all your friends, the links to your friends. And uh, if you ever get a chance to go to these areas and, um, and um, volunteer, so be it. It's the best way you can learn about them. It's also the best way that uh, you can heal, you can help them to heal, and we can rebuild the Indian subcontinent. Remember, knowledge is the best uh, is absolutely the very best way of healing. Uh, volunteer work is the second uh, largest way of healing. Um, and we all want to heal. This is what the knowledge is for, the podcast is for. And it's important to understand the atwa, all that lies in between. Very, very, very important. Um, and we will go from there. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, I wish you a great day, a lot of peace, and cheers, my friends.